This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 25, Draupadi's Lament, Krishna's Excuse. Last time, we finished a handful of short vignettes surrounding the Pandavas' move into the forest and the Kaurava's subsequent feelings of fear and guilt. The last of these was a complicated little story of how Duryodhana had summoned a war party and set off to kill the Pandavas, who were defenseless in the woods. The author of this story, Vyasa himself, showed up and put a stop to the raid. Vyasa then delegated the job of scolding Duryodhana to a lesser saint named Maitreya. Maitreya warned the boy of the danger he was in, and he listed the feats of the Pandavas, including the killing of the ogre Kamira. Duryodhana had little respect for this substitute sage, and he provoked Maitreya to anger. The sage then cursed the boy, promising that Bhima would break his thigh with the club. As the court quietly contemplated the significance of this curse, Dhritarashtra wanted to know more about how Bhima killed this famous ogre. The angry sage was in no mood for storytelling, and he stormed out of the court, saying, I'm done talking to you. You grumble and your son is disobedient. Let your steward tell you what happened. I guess old Dhritarashtra was getting tired of all the drama and dire predictions and simply wanted to change the subject to a fight scene. So the king ordered Vidor to tell them what he knew of the big fight. It turned out that Vidor was nearly a witness to the event. He told the court that when he had been sent away, on his way to the Pandava's camp, he had come across the gigantic corpse of the Rakshasa Kamira. He interrogated the sadhus who were loitering around the corpse and found out from them how the ogre had been killed. It turned out that the very patch of woods chosen by the Pandavas to be their camp was inhabited by Baka's bigger, meaner brother. Remember, Baka was the Rakshasa that was terrorizing villagers during the brother's last exile, and Bhima killed him. It also turned out that old Hidimba, the first Rakshasa killed by Bhima, was Kamira's bosom friend. So, when the ogre discovered that his arch-enemy had appeared in his own neck of the woods, he prepared to get his revenge against Bhima. The ogre's attack began in the form of terrifying sounds and apparitions. Dahomea was able to step in with his counter-magic and dispel the fear, but by then poor Draupadi, still disheveled from her abuse at the hands of Dushasan, had swooned and was held up by her five husbands. Having been stripped of his illusions, the Rakshasa then appeared before the brothers in his raw fury. In proper bad-guy fashion, Kamira made a little speech before beginning his attack. He said, It is my good fortune that the gods fulfilled my desire here today. I have been roaming the earth with my weapons, ready to kill Bhimasena. Today I shall repay the debt to my brother and drink Bhima's blood. Yudhishthira declared, You shall not. And while Arjun strung his bow, Bhima stopped Arjun, then uprooted a full-grown tree and approached the beast. Kamira also uprooted a tree, and the two commenced a tree fight there in the woods. The combined blows of the two shook the ground and cleared the forest, felling trees in all directions. Bhima managed to shatter Kamira's tree, and the ogre picked up a large rock and struck Bhima on the head with it. The blow to the head stunned Bhima, and Kamira wrapped his arms around Bhima and gave him a powerful squeeze. Bhima then returned the favor, and the two fighters commenced a wrestling match. Bhima's mind then settled on all the injustices that he and his brothers had suffered by the Karavas, and the fury and outrage welled up in him like an irresistible flood. Thinking of what he'd like to do to cousin Duryodhana, Bhima increased his grip tenfold until he heard a satisfying crunch. He then shook his enemy violently until there was no more life left in his opponent. Kamira was dead and broken. Vidor summed up his story, saying, Thus it was that the mighty Kamira was defeated at the word of King Yudhishthira. We can't be sure exactly how the court of the Karavas reacted to this news, because the story cuts immediately back to the Pandavas' camp, where a meeting of the allies was taking place. 
When news of their defeat and exile had arrived in the courts of their allies, the Bhojas, Vrishnis, Andakas, King Drupad of Panchala, and Drishtateku of Chedi all sent representatives to meet with the Pandavas. Krishna, who was of Vrishni, was among the visitors, and he was particularly annoyed to hear of their mistreatment at the dice game. In fact, he worked himself into such a rage that he said, The earth shall drink the blood of Duryodhana, Karna, Dushasan, and Shakuni. Then we shall reinstate King Dharma Yudhishthira. One who uses trickery deserves death. Arjun began to worry that Krishna might wipe out half of India in his anger, and so he calmed him down by reciting some of his feats in past lives. Arjun described how, when Krishna was a hermit, presumably Narayan, he had wandered homeless for 10,000 years and had stood on one leg for a 100 years. As young Krishna, he had once traversed the earth, the sky, and heaven in three strides. He had risen to the sky and had outshone the sun. Arjun said, There is no anger in you, no falsehood, no envy, no cruelty. At the end of the eon, you dissolve all creatures, and having made the world your own within your very self, yet you remain. Arjun's praise succeeded in talking him down. Krishna, recognizing his own self in Arjun, said to him gently, He who hates you hates me. Who follows you follows me. You are Nara, and I am Narayan, the seers who have come to this world. You are no other than I, and I am no other than you. No difference can be found between the two of us. The two friends continued to share lovely sentiments with each other, until finally Draupadi had heard enough. She broke in and addressed Krishna. They say that you were present at the creation of the universe, and that you are the invincible Vishnu. The wise men tell us that you are the earth and the truth. So how was it that the wife of the Pandavas and your friend was dragged into the gambling hall, stained with blood and in a single garment, I was grievously dragged before the assembly of the Kurus. In front of all these kings, the sons of Dhritarashtra burst out laughing at my shame. All of this happened while you and my husbands were still living, and yet you did nothing. I detest the Pandavas, who are all famous warriors, and yet they looked on while I was molested and did nothing. A plague on the strength of Bhimasena, a plague on Arjun's bowmanship. Both just stood by while those churls abused me. Tell me, Janadan, is it not the ancient law that a husband, however weak he may be, always protects his wife? I am the mother to their five sons, so at least for their sake my husbands should have protected me. As she gave voice to her outrage, the lovely Panchali began weeping, the tears streaming down her face. She said, I have no husbands, and no sons, nor a brother, nor a father, nor friends, if you mercilessly ignored me when I was assaulted. Deeply moved by her tirade, Krishna declared, I promise that you will see your enemy's women weeping over the fallen bodies of those who offended you. I shall do whatever can be done. You shall surely be a queen of kings. Let the sky fall, the mountains crumble, and the sea dry up, but my word shall not be false. Draupadi's brother, Drishtadyumna, also chimed in. I shall kill Drona, Sikandin shall kill Bhishma, Bhimasena shall kill Duryodhana, and Arjun shall kill Karna. My dear sister, if we rely on Krishna, we shall be invincible. The thought of all this bloody vengeance soothed her a bit. Then Krishna spoke again. If I had been present in Dwarka at the time, none of this would have happened. I would have attended the match and would have stopped it before any of this had happened. Even if I wasn't invited, I would have come anyway. I would have pointed out the many things wrong with gambling, and if they didn't listen to me, I would have stopped them by force. And if they had resisted me, I would have destroyed them. But, unfortunately, I was out of town, 
and by the time I had heard the news, it was too late. So I made my way directly to this forest to meet you. It wasn't like Krishna to speak in subjunctives and make excuses, so clearly he must have been away on important business. So Yudhishthira asked him, Why were you absent? Where did you travel to, and what were you doing there? Krishna answered, I had to make a trip to Sabha, King Shalva's capital, and wipe that city off the face of the earth. That's all for now. I'll leave you with another cliffhanger until the next episode. Before we go, there are a few interesting things about this episode that I'd like to point out. First, this story establishes for the first time Draupadi's role as goad to action, a part which he plays throughout the period of exile. Remember back when King Drupada Panchala held a sacrifice to birth an heir who would get revenge against Drona. This sacrifice resulted in the birth of Drusted Yumna, who was destined to be the killer of Drona, but it also produced Drusted Yumna's sister, Draupadi. I think now we're beginning to see how Draupadi may be as important in winning Drupad's revenge as her brother. Whenever the Pandavas consider making peace or retiring to the wilderness, Draupadi is right there, reminding them of her grievance and goading them to settle for nothing less than bloody revenge. This point leads us to the one line Draupadi's brother has in the story, in which Drusted Yumna assigns a victim to each of the main heroes. He will kill Drona, Arjun will kill Karna, etc. Curiously, he mentions one other warrior who is not among our main characters. He says that Sikandin would be the one who kills Bhishma. If you're not already familiar with this character, I'll let you savor the mystery for now. Just be sure to keep in mind that old story, way back when Bhishma's younger half-brother, Vichy Treviria, was still king. Bhishma had gone to Kashi and had abducted three princesses to be his brother's wives. Remember, the eldest princess, Amba, had already been betrothed to King Shalva, and so Bhima let her go. For now, just keep in mind that Amba was not at all happy about how things turned out, and this warrior Sikandin is seeking Amba's revenge. Finally, it is curious that after Arjun's long panjaric on Krishna's omnipotence, Draupadi had Krishna making excuses for allowing the dice game to take place at all. According to Krishna, it was just a comedy of errors, and had he known what was happening, he would have never allowed it. I had pointed out during the first dice game that there was some disagreement in the sources whether Krishna had intervened to save Draupadi. It seems, from the excuses he made here in the forest, that he really was unaware of what had happened to Draupadi until well after it was over. That's all for now. Next time we'll find out why Krishna felt the need to utterly destroy a city. Thanks for listening. <laughs>